Currency Press is Australia's foremost publisher of the performing arts. We've been sharing Australian stories since 1971, and with those stories we've also shared insights, ideas and critiques. We think of them as the stories about stories, the stories behind stories, stories that prepare us for the journey we're about to undertake. Hello, I'm Toby Leon, and this is Not In Print. Today, John McCallum is going to read his introduction to Gary's House by Deborah Oswald, which was first produced in 1996 by Playbox Theatre in Melbourne and Q Theatre in Sydney. John McCallum is one of the country's most respected critics. He's published widely in the field of Australian theatre and drama, has been a senior lecturer and joint program coordinator for theatre and performance studies at the University of New South Wales, and has been the long-standing Sydney theatre critic for The Australian. Here's John reading Two Worlds, which was first published in 2000. Please stay. People keep begging each other in what becomes a refrain in this bittersweet play. A ratbag collection of misfits, loners, drifters and losers are thrown together on a scrubby patch of remote bush, loosely united in a comically desperate project which we watch on stage to build Gary's house. The house, the raising of its frame, the cladding of its walls, the lighting of its windows and the final ritual of the opening of its front door, is a real object constructed in front of us. Gary starts it, and it's a solid metaphor, one you can walk through once you've built it and lock up against the world, for the chaotic struggle that people face as they try to build quiet lives for themselves. The play is about a battling underclass of suffering but resilient people thrown back on their own resources by a new, coldly executive society that sacrifices human lives for the sake of sound management and efficient social control. The characters keep leaving each other as they struggle to go it alone, but then they keep coming back together again and finding, in their different idiosyncratic ways, a sense of community. Outcast people, the play suggests, sometimes manage to find each other and to battle on. Gary and Sue Ann aren't up to much, and they know it. He is full of pent-up violence and barely controlled anger, which something in him wants to control and channel into the building of his house. She has the self-absorption, comically expressed, of the powerless unloved, scarcely able to comprehend the material support, born of inarticulate love, that people like Gary have to offer. They're an unlikely couple, she with her bag full of empty violet crumble bar wrappers, and he with his bag full of nails. But somehow they've managed so far to muck along. They first meet in a scenario written for them not by a Mills and Boone writer, but by the hard-nosed lawyers and accountants who employed him to check up on her to see if she was cheating on her workers' compensation claim. She wasn't, she wouldn't know how, but she thought he was cute when she found him parked outside her house in his little van. The most piss-weak spy, she says happily. Now he is building a house in which to raise a baby on a block of land he only half owns, without plans, for a woman he only half knows. As a couple, they are, to use the current euphemism for people whom society has failed, dysfunctional. Their crazy relationship is the emotional core of the first half of the play, but under pressure they don't stay with each other. Sue Ann leaves Gary because she doubts his ability to deliver his dream, and Gary suddenly and dramatically leaves Sue Ann at the end of Act One by shooting himself. 
both actions are failures of love and hope on the part of people who've never had any public or private model for either, but who, for a brief, cheerful time, had something else to be going on with. The other great pair in the play, who play out a sort of comic subplot, are Christine, Gary's alienated sister, and Dave, the laconic, laid-back loner camped in his dead father's burnt-out house next door. Christine has spent her life working desperately hard at her career, becoming a super bitch and keeping her fears at bay. Dave loves work so much that he can sit and watch it for hours. They're an unlikely couple, and their surprisingly abrupt coming together is the emotional core of the second half. They are the outsiders who hang in there, the drifters who finally stick. Early in their prickly relationship, Christine asks Dave to stay for just one night, but he won't. For most of the play, he seems to be waiting for his chance to leave, but gradually we realise that he's never going to. Vince, the weedy little bloke from the shop in town, seems to be terminally scared of everyone and everything, but in his odd way, he proves loyal and strong at the end as he devotedly takes on the terrible burden of loving Sue Ann. In the weary but warm resolution to this play, we're confronted, shockingly, with two relationships that just might last. We're also confronted, in the final minutes, with the even more shocking, for some of the critics at least, moment of silent communion between the ghost of dead Gary and the newly alive Christine. Christine has learnt, after all the cynicism and self-doubt that she's been nurturing in herself, to cherish the smell of a baby. She's had one herself by this stage. In the last scene, she takes up Sue Ann and Gary's crying son and carries him upstage to the threshold of the house that she has finished building for her dead brother. Gary himself appears in the doorway and takes the baby, who is suddenly quiet. It's an overtly theatrical moment at the end of a realistic play. It suggests that there are values that transcend the simple, selfish claims of the individual. Suddenly, in an emotionally explosive ending, two people and their two worlds come together. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not In Print. You can find out more about who we are, what we do, and view our full catalogue at currencypress.com.au. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, or would like to make a suggestion for future episodes, please let us know via Facebook or Twitter. This episode was produced by Currency Press, 